Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. So I want to start today's message. I want to get right into it. And last week, uh, we, we saw from Saul's life, Saul had this, uh, this personal, this uh, private conversation with Samuel. And in that private conversation, we saw Saul get anointed with oil, but even before that, he got affirmed, he got assigned, and then he got anointed. And for, for him, that was like the pinnacle, that was like the mountaintop moment of his life. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You and me, we've had encounters with God where we get affirmed by his love and then everything else kind of washes away. We get assigned and we get anointed to do his will. And that's all that we need. That's really all that we need in life, to be affirmed, assigned, and anointed by God. Everything else is kind of on the wayside. That's, that's it. But what happens sometimes when we're called is we can be assigned, we can be affirmed, we can be anointed, and then somehow we still miss it. Somehow we still wind up missing the call of God. Sometimes we still end up missing what God's specific will is for our life. And when we're called, it's we get affirmed, assigned, anointed, but then we actually follow through and step out and do his will. And so in Saul's life, again, he got affirmed, he got assigned, he got anointed, and then he missed it. And for you and me, for the people of God, we want to make sure that we don't miss it. Amen? Amen? So that leads us to our text today. We're going to see what happened with Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting in verse 17, it says this. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. So one second. They have this private conversation that we read about last week. Saul gets anointed with oil. And then Samuel tells him, he says, hey, you're going to go back to your town. There are these three things that are going to happen to you. And then those three things happened. And then his instructions were to wait seven days and all of Israel would gather at Mizpah. And this is a big deal. This is not just the announcement of a king. This is an announcement of Israel's first king. So this is a huge day in the, in the life of Israel, in the history of the nation of Israel. And they all gather together at Mizpah. And Samuel said to the people of Israel, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses and you have said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matarites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So Saul knows what's happening. Saul has already been affirmed, assigned, anointed. He's been anointed with the oil. He's been told, you're the next king of Israel. He's been, it's been told to him, they're all going to gather at Mizpah, and we're, that's going to be the big announcement, right? What you know in private is now about to be set out in public. 
But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. You know how we miss it? You know how we miss the will of God sometimes? You know how we miss the call? Even if we're affirmed, assigned, and anointed, you know how we miss it? Is we're hiding. That's the title of the message today. The called don't hide. Saul was hiding, and that was his problem. See, this was supposed to be what was Saul's greatest day of his life was also his worst because the greatest day was there's this big announcement and it's not about him being king or stepping up to being some ruler. It's about him fulfilling the call that God has for his life. And he's stepping into that and it's this big moment. It's this launching pad for the rest of his life and the way that God is gonna use him amongst all these other people. And then he hides. Now imagine this again. All of Israel comes to Mizpah, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they say, all right, the next, or not even the next king, the first king of Israel, Drummond, it's Saul. And they say, where is he? And they're like, sure, there's, there's so many people. Surely we, 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 don't, we just can't find where he is, but he's around here somewhere, right? But then they say, it says that they inquired of the Lord, not even of Samuel, is they say, God, where is he? And God says, this isn't some person saying it. God says, he's hiding among the baggage. The called is hiding. That's not God's way. Israel's king was hiding. And when we hide, it's just not a good thing. You know? Um, what, what the call looks like for you and for me, is, is just like it looks like in this passage. See, God, his eyes go all over the globe. And then his, guys, his, his eyes go all over a nation. And then his, his eyes go all over, a, uh, as the Bible puts it here, a tribe or a group of people. And then his eyes are on a family. And then God's eyes zero in on an individual. And can I tell you something here today? If you're in this room, if you're watching online, God is zeroing in on you. God's eye is on you. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. And God wants to use you. God would not be have you listening to this if he wanted to use somebody else. God wants to use you. God has certain things in your life that only you can impact. God has certain people on the fringes of your life, certain influences that only you can impact. God is gonna take you to places in life this week, this month, this year, next year that he's preparing for you that only you can impact, okay? So God is calling you, he's setting you up, God is zeroing in on you and he's saying, hey, I'm calling you to something, but don't hide. Everybody say, don't hide. The, um, the first way that I, I got to know Pastor and Chrissy was not by coming to Chicago Tabernacle. The first way that I got to know them was my sister, was, when they first came to Chicago, my sister was good friends with their middle child, Annie. And 
my sister and, and Annie, they would hang out all the time. My sister was over all, at their house all the time. And my, my sister, uh, she was seven or eight at the time. She's in her 20s now. I tell her this every time that I talk to her, so I'm not doing anything wrong right here. My sister is nuts. She is like the practical joker of all practical jokers. But then she's one of those people that when she gets a joke or, um, uh, or, or some sort of bit that, that, that she has that she thinks is funny, she's writing that until the end. Like she is holding those jokes for the rest of her life. She does not let them die. And the, one day there's a story that still lives on from her hanging out at the Toledo house that she would, she would kind of hide in all these places and just pop out. And one day, Pastor Toledo goes into his bedroom. He opens his closet. He has a basket that's his laundry basket. And he opens up this little basket, and my sister pops out. There's Corey just popping out, playing hide and seek. And it's not, like, it's not surprising to me at all, because growing up, I would walk down to the, like, we had, our, we had a laundry thing in the basement. I would walk down to the basement, start to do my, my clothes, wash, wash my like, uniform, and I would open the dryer, and there she is, and she pops out. And I'm like, how long have you been there? You know, you, I didn't tell you I was coming down here. Hide and seek is fun for a kid. But can I tell you something? The burden that myself, that I can speak for all the pastors here at this church, one of the most significant prayers that we carry for you is that you wouldn't play hide and seek with the call and the will of God. Don't play hide and seek with God's call for your life. Don't play hide and seek with God's plan for your life. He's got a plan and it's good. He's got a plan and it does nothing but bless you. It does not harm you. His plan, but you can't hide from it. See, the call don't hide. And when we hide, God's plan is there waiting for us. He's saying, hey, I want you to trust me. But, but sometimes what we do is we hide. Saul, he had a plan. God had a plan for him, and he hid. And this plan that we have, that God has for us, there are things beyond our imagination, beyond anything that, that we could dream up or think up, but God's saying, hey, I need you to trust me with it. I need you to step out. I need you to receive the call that I have for you. So will you pray with me? God, we just, we trust this day to you. We trust our lives to you. We trust our hearts to you. And God, we, we trust the call that you have for our lives. Lord, it's, it's to, to prosper us and to bless us, not to harm us, oh God. And so God, I pray that every person in this room, uh, every person watching online, oh God, Lord, that you would zero in on us, oh God, that we would know that you're zeroing in on us, oh God, and Lord, you would show us, oh God, Lord, where we might be hiding and where we need to step out from, oh God. Lord, Saul had a plan, but he was hiding. God, we don't wanna hide, oh God. We wanna step out. We wanna receive every little thing that you have for our lives. So God, speak to us today. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, amen, amen. So listen, what is, I mean, we know inherently what hiding means, but hiding is not a good thing, right? What does hiding mean in the Bible? This word hide, it means to withdraw, to go into safety, 
to conceal oneself as not to be known, right? Like I said, hide and seek might be fun, but in real life, hiding is not, is not a good thing. Fugitives hide, right? Criminals hide. We hide when we want to avoid something. We hide from people we try not to, to converse with. We, we hide when there's something bad going on or something that we don't want to be known with. Saul is hiding and he's trying to conceal himself. He's trying not to be known. There, there are some people that you might read this passage and say, oh, Saul's being humble. No, Saul, when, if you're hiding, there are issues there, right? You know, um, you could read this passage also and, uh, and you could say, well, you know what? I don't, I don't get why he's hiding. The reason that he's hiding, that word hide, it's the same word that's used in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. And when God goes to find them, they're hiding. See, they were so ashamed that they couldn't face God. God loves his children. God, God, God's love is unconditional. His kindness leads us to repentance. But they couldn't even, Adam, he couldn't even face God. And that same word, that's exactly what Saul's doing here. Saul is hiding and it's a, now how many of you know, when God is zeroing in on him, notice in that text, it's not Samuel that says he's hiding among the baggage. It's God. So sometimes we hide from God's call, but we can't fully hide from God. God knows, like I said, God is zeroing in on you. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows the things in your heart, the good and the bad. He knows where you've been, the good and the bad. And guess what? God is calling you. God wants to use you. But when we hide, we're hiding and we're saying, God, you don't know what I did. Yes, he does. God, you don't know where I've been. Yes, he does. God wants to use you. God calls you. You don't call yourself. So when you hide, you're hiding and you're saying, God, I don't trust what you have because I don't trust that you know best. God knows best. God is calling you. Don't hide. The called, don't hide. When we hide, we're admitting that we, we're not even admitting, we, we don't realize it, but we're dealing with the impulses that result from our past failures, from our past pains, from the present accusations of the enemy, saying you're not good enough, saying what, what did you do to get there? See, Saul, Saul could have hit anywhere, but he chose the baggage. Saul, that word, when it's talking about hiding, that tells us that he's hiding, that he's got some issues, right? You could read the passage and you could say, you know what? That baggage, that's his emotional baggage. That would be um, a kind of loose uh, Bible study. It's not, it would be a little allegorical. That's not exactly what it means. But the fact that Saul is hiding tells us that Saul is running from his issues, and the fact that he's in the baggage, all of the translations say baggage. NIV, it says uh, materials. King James Version, it says stuff. Every other translation, it says baggage. And so what that is, is they're all gathering in Mizpah. Everybody's coming. It's not like when, they're, when, these, when Israelites are traveling to Mizpah, it's not like this um, uh, hour-long car ride from one suburb to another. It's not a little uh, quick ride on the L or the bus. It's not a... Um, a little domestic flight that they're taking. They're 
getting up their family and they're, they're traveling by donkey with all of their stuff. They're, they're, they've got a like weeks and weeks long journey that they're taking all of their baggage with. And so at Mizpah, there's this huge gathering, thousands and thousands of people. All the baggage is presumably in one spot and Saul is off hiding among the baggage. But the fact that he's hiding, it means that there are issues. So is that baggage, is he necess- does the Bible necessarily say that he's hiding behind his emotional baggage? No, but he's got issues. And in our culture, we call our issues what? Baggage. And so if we're gonna fulfill the call, I just wanna give you two quick application points to fulfilling the call. How do we, st- how do we make sure that we don't miss it? How do we stand on guard and say, all right, God, I've been, I've been affirmed. I know you love me and you know me. I've been assigned. You've given me an assignment and I've been anointed. You've given me power to, to do that assignment. How do I make sure that I don't miss it? Number one, for the call to fulfill their assignment, we have to travel lightly. There's no way you can fulfill the call of God if you're carrying baggage. Some of us, we carry baggage that we're not supposed to carry. Answering the call means that we unload our baggage. See, baggage is some of that stuff that we carry with us that we've accumulated over the years. We don't realize the things that we're, that we're carrying with us. We don't realize some of the things that are slowing us down. You ever notice that mountain climbers, they don't carry luggage? They carry like one backpack. They travel, I would say travel lightly. Mountain climbers travel lightly. I mean, take a look, right? Like this guy's got these snowshoes there. That's like half of his stuff right there. He's got one backpack. You notice that the mountain climber going to high places, ascending, going higher and higher, climbing a mountain. He's not carrying a bunch of luggage. He's not getting a U-Haul. He's not, he's not doing any of that stuff. He doesn't have hard cases here and, and carry-ons here and more and more backpacks and trying to squeeze everything in. It's like, no, he's carrying the bare minimum. He's only carrying what is necessary for the next part of his journey. As the called of God, you have to release whatever is not helping you in your call, whatever is not helping you in your walk, whatever is not necessary, absolutely necessary to the next leg of the journey. You can't go higher and higher up a mountain. Your mountain climber cannot go higher and higher carrying all that luggage. So what is that luggage? What do we carry? Four quick things. As, as believers, sometimes we carry these things and they, they slow us down. They make us slip up. We can't, we, we can't go higher and higher. Our, our ascension, our call is capped because we carry too much baggage. Some of the baggage that we need to, to let go of are our hurts and offenses. If we hold on to hurt long enough, they become an offense. And the more that we live in our lives offended, the more we live our lives defensive. The more that we say, oh, that hurt me and and that person offended me, the more we start to build up walls and we don't even realize it. 
The more our lives become this series of defense mechanisms where we say, you know what? Because this person, when I was a kid, said this to me. When this person says this, I think that they're trying to get me, and so I'm going to put up that wall from there. Not realizing that God's trying to send people to help you. Not realizing that God's trying to send people that you're called to help. We put up defense mechanisms. Can I tell you, you have to let go of your, of your hurts and your offenses. You're, when you're climbing that mountain, that's part of the baggage that you have to let go of. Number two are our fears and our insecurities. As a re, some of these, sometimes our fears and our insecurities, we're carrying them as a result of our failures and our defeats that make us feel unworthy. See, the, a fearful past causes a fearful future. And when we look at life with the lens, with the eyes of fear, the past and the future all become the same. We start to see every little thing that, that, that could be hopeful, every little thing with expectation in light of a past fear or insecurity, in light of a past failure or defeat. And that's not God's will. See, what we fail to realize sometimes is sometimes when the things that we feel like we failed at or the things that we feel like we've been defeated at, God's like, no, I was using that to prepare you. I was using that to set you up. I was using that so that you can know how to deal with that in the future. But we let that, we carry that. And so because we carry it and it's baggage, we don't realize that God was trying to work on us. I... Uh, I'm reminded of, you know, I'm a, as I kind of said, I'm a basketball fan. And there's a guy, he's still in the NBA, but his best days are behind him. His name's Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard is seven foot, seven foot two, um, really strong. And he would bully anybody down, like, by the basket. Like, he wouldn't shoot a, uh, he wouldn't shoot a shot more than four feet away from the basket, but he could get to the basket anytime he wanted. Just give him the ball, he'll go through, he'll dunk it. He was dominant in his, in his heyday. And I heard a story of a reporter. They would, uh, they reported for the team, so they would be at every practice. And after every practice, he would wait around for the rest of the team to, to leave, and then he would shoot around. And again, he wouldn't shoot more than four feet away from the basket in a game. But after everybody would leave, he would start shooting 18 feet from the basket, 20 feet from the basket. 24 feet from the basket, and he would make every shot. And so the reporter watched this day in and day out. And finally, after a few weeks, the reporter goes up to him and says, Dwight, why don't you shoot those shots in a game? Dwight Howard looked at them, kind of dumbfounded. Like, why would you ask me that question? Like, that's a, that's a silly question. You know the answer. And his answer was this. I might miss and they might laugh at me. Imagine that. This guy is, he's, he's an NBA superstar. He's getting paid millions of dollars. He knows what to do out there. And he's, he's like at the best of his, uh, he's one of the best in the league. And he's afraid of people laughing at him for missing a shot. You and me, there are shots that we're called to take in life that because somebody told us something one time, we're so, we carry that and we carry that and we carry that. And every time we have a situation that's remotely similar, we clench up and we, we hide in the baggage and we say, you know what, I might get laughed at. You know what, I might miss. You know what, I might mess up. But the Bible says, you know what that is? That's fear. 
That's fear of man. That's fear of failure. It's fear of cost. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. The Bible says that there's no fear in love. So if you're affirmed by God, that fear has no, that fear has no business in your life. That fear has no business in your, in your decision-making. That fear has no business in you walking out the call of God. That fear comes in, and then you say, no, you know what? That's the voice of the enemy. I'm going to keep doing what God called me to do. Number three, our biases and our beliefs. Sometimes we have wrong thinking. Sometimes we have wrong teaching. Sometimes we have wrong perspectives that we've adopted that, we, that it's easier to hold on to those than to adopt new ones. The Bible says be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewing of, your, of our mind takes place as we adopt God's opinions, God's beliefs over our own. You can't have new miracles in your life with old paradigms. You can't have new miracles in your life with old perspectives. So for us to, to walk into something new, we have to say, you know what? I'm done with the old. I'm done with that wrong way. God, show me your way. Number four, our identity and our status. Why do I say that? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 9, just before what we read today. When Samuel approaches him, Saul says, you know what Saul's first response is? Why me? I'm, I'm from the lowest family in the lowest tribe. I think you've got the wrong guy. His thinking was so low because of the perceived status of his family. God knows where you are. He zeroed in on you. God knows who you are. God knows where you come from. God knows exactly where you are right now. God wants to use you. It has no, so listen, if, if he can take a person from the, from the smallest and the lowest status family in Israel and make him king, there's no limit to what God can do, to, do for you and how God wants to use you in spite of anything from your past, in spite of any lowly thinking that you have in your mind, God wants to replace that. And he says, hey, that identity, that status, the only identity and status that matter is that you're affirmed, that you're loved and known by me. I know it's been a while, but if you've ever been on an international flight, it's been a while because of COVID. If you haven't been on an international flight, what, what, what they do is when you arrive, when you're about to arrive to your destination, you're on the plane, the flight attendant will bring you a form and that you have to fill out that form. Good luck getting off the plane without filling out that form. And the form is a customs form. And they, they ask you on the form, what goods are you declaring? Do you have anything to declare that you're bringing into this country? And what that means is, did you obtain anything in this country that you're bringing in to this country? So if you go to Africa, if you go to Europe, if you go to the Middle East, you go anywhere outside of America, when you come back into America, you have to fill out this form. Now, if you didn't get anything new in that old country, then you can say nothing to declare and your process in going through customs is a lot quicker. You go in a line that says nothing to declare and you breeze right through. If you got food, if you got goods, if you got anything in that, you're bringing back money from that other country, you have to write on that form exactly what it is 
They examine it. And here's the thing. If there's something that you are bringing in from that country that you're not allowed to, it completely stops your travel. You cannot get to your new destination if you're carrying something that you're not supposed to bring. In the call of God, there's almost like this, this whisper that God has, what are you declaring? What are you bringing with you? Because if it's anything that's not conducive, if it's anything that I don't give you, if it's anything that's not helpful to your next leg of the journey, then you're not gonna be able to proceed. It literally, think on an international flight, you get off, if there's something, you bring back a, a live animal, which would be crazy, they're gonna say, you cannot proceed on the journey with that baggage. You have to let that go. For you and me, there are people in this room, there are people online at home right now watching that there is something in your life that God's saying, you have to let that go. It's for your good. You have to proceed without carrying that with you. In, um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie in the mid-90s, there was a movie, Apollo 13, and it's about the, the Apollo mission, that kind of um, the spaceship mission, which uh, space is, uh, exploration of space is in our news a lot the last couple weeks. And Apollo 13 was this mission to go to the moon that uh, about, a day, about two days in, everything started to go bad. And what they had to do is they couldn't proceed to the moon, they had to come back and it was a rescue mission to come back. But in order, long story short, in order for the spaceship to get back to, the, to Earth safely, they had to go really fast because they only had a certain amount of time with the way that the spaceship w w kind of um, was uh, malfunctioning. But in order to, to come back in time, to, to, to speed along and make an, an expedited, safe journey back to Earth, they had to let go of like two-thirds of their spacecraft. They had to release it just out into space. And if you read about it, or even if you watch the movie, there's this argument from some of the people at NASA saying, that's a really expensive part of the spacecraft that we're just letting go, that we're just releasing in the space. Are you sure that you wanna do that? And they didn't realize that in order for the journey to finish, to be completed, for them to get back safe, they had to let go of something that they thought was precious. For you and for me, there is baggage that we're, that we're, that we're carrying, that we're holding, that we're saying, you don't understand what that person said to me. God's saying, no, I do. You have to let it go. You have to forgive them. You don't understand why this thing is so important, why this paradigm or this, this, this opinion is so important to me. God is saying, no, I do, but you have to let that go. I could go on and on. Jonah, when he was called, God said, go to Nineveh. He said, you don't understand what the Ninevites did to my people. They had oppressed them. They, were, they had done, um, they had done hor horrid, uh, horrific things to his people. And he said, I, th those are my people that, that, they, that they harmed, that they oppressed, and that they enslaved. I can't go minister to them. And God said, that's where I'm calling you to. And then he ran away and he was disobedient. God is saying, hey, Anything that I have not given you to carry, you have to let that go. Stop carrying the heavy baggage. The other thing is if we're gonna fulfill the call, we have to step up humbly. Everybody say step up. 
See, a lot of times we believe that being humble means you don't put yourself first. But what I want to say today is sometimes being humble means you step up in obedience instead of staying back. When God, call, when God calls you forward, don't step back. Don't hide, right? Sometimes humility means that you move to the front instead of moving to the back. Sometimes humility, it says, it says, you know what? I'm going to make myself available wherever God wants to make me available. In, uh, in 1 Peter, it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, I want to put, point out two things. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he, everybody say he. He may lift you up. So here's the good thing about this story for Saul. Saul didn't call himself. God called Saul. In the Bible, every person who's called, they didn't call themselves, God called them. You didn't call yourself, God called you. I didn't bring myself to this church, God brought me to this church. I didn't call myself, God didn't, you didn't call yourself, God is calling you, okay? That he may lift you up. But then here's the other thing, in due time. Everybody say, in due time. So in due time means that maybe not yet, but it also means this. When the time has come, what do you have to do? You got to step up. Sometimes the time is there for you to step up. Sometimes it's, it's God, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not staying in the back. If you're calling me forward, guess what? You're calling me forward. But sometimes humility is stepping into what God has called you to do and what God has for you. And sometimes it means that we have to stop, we have to stop thinking about ourselves. You see, it said that true humility is, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Everybody say less. It's not that we're lesser. It's that we stop thinking of all the, the baggage that we might be carrying less. It's not all about us. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. Here's what Andrew Murray said. Spurgeon said, humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. So right estimate. It means that it means that maybe the estimate that you have for your call is not the right one, right? Saul's like, I'm not, I'm not fit to be king. God said, yes, you are. Saul had a wrong estimate. It's you, the estimate of your life is based on what God thinks. And then humility is nothing but the dis disappearance of self in the vision that God is all. So when God calls us to do something, it's not our excuses. It's not our, God, I think I'd be better for this. It's God has said, no, no, I know what I want you to do, right? Sometimes we get worried that, that we don't have what it takes to fulfill God's call. God, Jesus in, in Luke 22, right after he tells Peter that he's gonna deny him, right before he goes to Calvary, he tells the disciples, he said, hey, I've sent you out without, um, uh, without a purse, without satchel, without shoes. Have you ever been lacking? Meaning, I've sent you out to, to do things empty-handed. Have you ever been lacking to do my will? They say, no, not at all. So then later he says, all right, after I, after I die, wait, die, wait in Jerusalem, and then I will give you my spirit. You know what that means? When we're assigned, when we're anointed, when we receive God's call, we don't need anything but him. So, so anything that you need on the journey, he's going to give to you. And that means that we don't have to carry any baggage. It's easy. It's easy. He's going to give us exactly what we need on the, on the way. Last thing. 
This is a breakthrough process. This is a breakthrough thing. See, letting go of your baggage and then stepping out, it's not a one-time thing. This is, this is something that, that needs to continually happen in our lives, but it has to be breakthrough-oriented. See, as a church, we could have, we could have, a, break, we could have a collective breakthrough, but for you and for me, it's an individual thing that God has to break. It's an individual thing that you have to be able to get past yourself and you have to say, okay, I'm done with my baggage and now I'm stepping out. A lot of times we, we're so in our heads that we become like Saul and we say, okay, God, you know, we're, he's in that meeting, he gets anointed, he says, okay, uh, I'll be king. And then when the time comes, we're, we're, we don't know what to do. Here's what, here's what Rick Warren said about it. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. It's not saying that those things aren't important. It's saying that God's call for your life is even bigger than that because it's holistic. It takes all of that into account. If you wanna know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. See, when people carry baggage in every little or big bag, there's always a part of self that's in there. And so after we get rid of that baggage, we have to be able to step up to God's call. We have to be able to step forward and say, here I am, God. It, it looks like this. Like, I want to take us back to Mizpah. The Israelites have all gathered there. And they're, again, they're waiting on this king. And they announce who the king is. And you would expect there's like this drum roll. There's, you know, um, there's theme music. There's this big charade, big celebration, something going on, right? But then there's nothing. Where is he? One of the translations says, says he was nowhere to be found. Where is he? Where is this man of God? Where is the person who's supposed to respond to the call? And then they asked God, and God himself, again, God himself, he said he's hiding among the baggage. So this is how it looks. Imagine that there's, there's all this, one, like I said, one of the translations says supplies. Another translation says stuff. It's just all of the stuff that's there. Saul was just finding anywhere to hide, okay? So imagine that Saul's back here. This would be okay. God says, hey, here's my king. He's here to serve you. He's here to lead you. Saul, step out. There's nothing. Imagine that there's all this baggage. Nothing comes out. They say, hey, where is he? He's hiding among the baggage. Here's, here's how stepping out humbly looks. It's not, it's not making a name for yourself. It's not being a bull in a china shop. It's just this. There's baggage. There's baggage. There's baggage. God says, hey, where's my servant? Here I am. Hey, where's, where's the person that's supposed to leave their home? Here I am. 
Hey, where's the person that's supposed to be a light in their workplace? Here I am. Hey, where's the person that's supposed to have a burden, that, that has a burden for those people, for that group of people? Where's the person who's supposed to act on it? It's not a big charade. It's not a huge thing. It's not, it's not song and dance. It's not a lot of talk. No, the power of God, it's not of talking, but it's, it's of power. It's here I am. It's just a response. It's a simple response that says, God, I'm ready to move. God, I'm ready to be your servant. So come on, will you stand with me? We're gonna pray in a moment, but here's why this is so important. There's a difference when you read the book of 1 Samuel. If you, if you keep reading the, the, the book, there's a difference between Saul and then the next king, David. And that big difference is that there's a built-up reservoir of God's presence in one's life, in David's life. But then in Saul's life, you don't really, you don't get that as much. You don't see that as much in his life. You don't see that relationship. A lot of Saul's relationship with God is secondary. It comes through other people. God's relationship with you is primary. It's, it's direct, it's face-to-face, -face. it's a relationship. It's not, I'm not a middleman, your pastors are not middlemen, it's between you and God. This message, by the way, is not my message for you, it's not Chicago Tabernacle's message for you, it's God's message for you. He's saying, don't hide. And here's the difference, why, why was David brave and courageous and he, and he would step out humbly? And Saul was not. It's because of that relationship with God. So right now, the singers are gonna come out. We're gonna open up the altars in a moment. But right now, I just want you to close your eyes. We're gonna reach out to God. God, we let go of our baggage today. God, we wanna step out and do your will. God, we wanna do the things that you've called us to do. God, we're, we're responding to you and not to ourselves, oh God. So Jesus, whatever you're calling us to do, Lord, we wanna, we wanna follow your will. We wanna, we wanna work, Lord, the way that you've wanted us to work. We, wanna be, we want our steps to be ordered by you. And we're gonna trust that you're gonna do all these things.